Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. I'm here in episode 18 with my guest Angelica Jackson. And before we get into Angelica's story, I'm just going to talk a little bit about something that we addressed on the last episode um, that we just kind of, well, I I guess we didn't skim the surface on it since we talked about it for 20 minutes, but um, there's a little bit that I wanted to add. So last week I talked about, or last episode, um, Brittany and I talked about the Harvey Weinstein allegations, and we talked about um, how there might be a little bit of a culture change happening because for, I think for the first time, what we're seeing are men in power being removed from their positions of power in some way um, after these accusations. But I, we didn't really address the, the victims and the accusers that are the women that are coming forward. You know, it's, it's people like Gwyneth Paltrow, Rose McGowan. They're people whose names in some ways are household names that we've heard of. Um, and they are women with money, and they are women who are white, for the most part, who have been coming forward. And I really think that we also, in the, this cultural shift that may be happening, need to consider if that cultural shift is happening to people who are quote-unquote at the bottom. Um, I know in episode, an earlier episode with um, Kate, we talked about what the culture in a restaurant is like. And oftentimes you have people that are working like a minimum wage job, And if there is a situation where they are sexually harassed, um, typically what can happen is the accuser is the person to lose her job or lose things in that position or in that situation. Um, So I did just want to address that there is another side to this. um, And hopefully what's happening in, you know, the the spotlight in Hollywood is something that will eventually trickle down. Um, But I think right now, um, Angelica, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, I do believe that a lot of the women who are coming out about what happened to them, they are in power and a lot more people will listen to them. And I do believe they should start using their platform to talk about all sexual harassment and allegations that happens maybe lower down to people who may not be as privileged as them. Um... Now, as far as with Mike Pence, his role, I think it's just outright ridiculous and silly for men to feel as though they're not able to be around women. So what is that really saying about men? Are they not able to have any type of self-control when they're around women? Are men just this group of dogs who (laughs) basically just have to, every time they see a woman, they get turned on and they can't control themselves? And as we know, that is not how men are. Men are people. Men are able to have self-control. And we just need to start setting a different tone in our society and how men perceive women, how women perceive men. And, you know, that's basically what I think about it. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Like, you're these women at the top who are, um, you know, causing change here, they're getting the conversation going. Like, I'm at this point, I'm like kind of sick of talking about this, but I won't stop talking about it because we need to keep talking mm-hmm. about it. But it is like exhausting and um, emotionally taxing to have to think about this and talk about this all the time. And I know for people who are survivors of these situations, it drags up a lot of things for them. But we are, you know, uh, we might be on the cusp of something changing. Um, and Angelica was also referring to several politicians who... Um, in the wake of these allegations, have decided that 
an appropriate response would be to invoke the, the Mike Pence rule or the Billy Graham rule, which is where a man is not able to be alone with a woman unless she is his wife. Um, so, yeah, got to agree with you on that one. <laughs> that one is like the Dark Ages. <laughs> I mean, it's... I don't, like, I don't even know really what to say about that. That is just like further shutting women out of being part of conversations and being, and, and the, the goal here that we talk about a lot on the show and that I think most, many women talk about in general is getting women into these positions of power. And how is that going to happen if they're not allowed to speak to the people that are in the position of power um, to, to make that change? And on top of that, it's not really solving the issue. Right. At all. And I think the biggest issue here is rape culture and hypermasculinity in our society. And it's not really, it's just putting a band-aid over it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is how we're just going to fix it for now when you really should be having these conversations. Men should be having these conversations with their fathers, their male friends, their sons, their brothers on this isn't cool. This isn't right. Mm-hmm. How to treat women or dude, you shouldn't talk to her that way or she doesn't want you to bother or leave her alone. So we need to be having these conversations because women aren't responsible for this change. Absolutely. And that's that's really what that does. It puts the responsibility on women and makes women feel like there is inherently something wrong with them, that a man can't be in the same room or sit at the same table as them without wanting to not even like assault them, but like have some kind of sexual relationship in some way. Right. Um, yeah, I still, <laughs> it's just so, it's so unfathomable to mm-hmm. me that in this day and age that that is something that is, like, the response to the situation. And it kind of reminds me of being in, like, middle school when you had, like, the boys on one side of the room and the girls on the other side of the room because at, like, a school dance because at that age when you're, like... 10 years old, 11 years old, you can't control your hormones and you're learning how to do that. But if you're, you know, in middle-aged, I, I think that you're an adult. I hope that you've learned something mm-hmm. by that point about that. So I just wanted to, to wrap that up and, and tie up some of the loose ends of the conversation from last time. So uh, we are going to get into Angelica's story now. So I'm here with Angelica Jackson. Um, She and I knew each other in high school. We were on the track team together. Um, And now she has embarked on a career as a teacher. Hi. Yes. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your story is? Um, Well, I am a 32-year-old mother to a five-year-old, interesting, fiery, um big personality (laughs) son (laughs) um and right now I'm teaching anatomy and physiology to 10th and 11th graders and on my free time I'm a little bit of an activist (laughs) awesome so what does it mean to you to be a woman in well there are two questions the first one is what does it mean to be a woman like in general in 2017 and the other one is what does it mean to you specifically and the, uh, the two might be combined with each other in some ways. Well, that is an interesting question and something that I have thought about since I was posed this question. <laughs> but um, for me to define what is it to be a woman, 
I would have to speak on my experiences being a black woman because I'm not able to separate the two. I don't have the luxury to separate the two. When someone does look at me, they see a black woman. Um, and being a black woman in 2017, I feel as though right now, um, we are at a point where things are starting to change a little bit for us or for how, how society views black women or views women in general. Um, as a black woman, we're stereotypically seen as aggressive, angry, strong, um, sometimes emotionless, I want to say. Like, we don't have, I know with working with young black women in the high school that I do work at, a lot of them are seen as older than what they actually are, not having a lot of problems that other, that their white counterparts may have, such mm -hmm. as like a mental illness or even going through depression or even going through something that a team would just go through every day, um, which people may feel is something that is difficult to deal with when they're not. Um, so I feel like as a black woman in 2017, I need to break down these barriers for those who are behind me following my footsteps so they can have a voice. Absolutely. So you would say that, you know, uh, you have a, a black teenager and a white teenager, both female. If they reacted in the same way to the same situation, it, uh, it's viewed it would, differently. It would be viewed differently. Yes. And it's so, assumed that it's, you know, whatever way the, the black... Um, teenager is reacting it's out of anger right it's out of anger rather than they might be bipolar mm -hmm. or depression or maybe they're having a bad day um they've done studies where black teens especially black young black women are punished harsher or more harshly than um their white counterparts so susan make it you know like um help mental help whereas Roxanne might be suspended mm -hmm. or expelled from school mm -hmm. um, and it's it's really not fair I had actually had someone where I do work ask me if I think dealing with black um, young black teens whom are women are difficult and I was taken aback but that, that was a question from a colleague yes from a colleague, yes. <laughs> and I was taken aback, like, what do you mean? I deal with these kids every day, and they're not any more difficult than other kids I've dealt with. Mm -hmm. You know, they have their own set of problems that are different than what people who may be living out in Williamsburg or Kenmore might have. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're still teens. Mm -hmm. So what exactly does that mean? Like, what type of view do you have of these children? And why are you working here? Right, <laughs> these that's children. the question. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't see them as, you know, humans with each one with a, a complex set of experiences and a complex set of problems, well, not, you know, everyone has problems. I'm not right, targeting, right. like, mm -hmm. one certain group. But then, yeah, then really, what are you doing? Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you think um, that has impacted what it means to you to be, for you to be a woman, a black woman in 2017? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, that's a big question. I know you touched a little bit on saying that, like, you need to be, like, an example and work on breaking down barriers. Right. Um, what I do a lot, 
um, not and it's a really a lot on Facebook and I know people are like oh these people are like Facebook warriors and they don't really do much outside of Facebook but um, even when I am at my job I do um, try to break down those stereotypes and try to let people realize and know you know what exactly is going on mm -hmm. what's happening because I you have to make people aware of what's going on in society and a lot of people have this blanket over their eyes and ignoring what's really happening mm -hmm. so that's what I do I also right now trying to um, start a mentorship for um, young black women amazing yeah so and trying to get them to um, realize the different opportunities that are out there for them especially in science technology engineering mm -hmm. math because there's not a lot of representation. And me even being at the school where I am, it's very um, woman-heavy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> like student population? Yeah, or student population. Oh, okay. Very nice. Um, so and your, your school that you're at is specifically focused on, like, sciences. On sciences, mm -hmm. yes. So um, my students even seeing a black woman in the role of an anatomy physiology teacher is even, like, a big impact. I've had tons of students come into my room like, wow, it's so awesome. You're a black woman. You're in the science. This is so cool because I want to be a heart surgeon. Mm -hmm. So even doing that is a big impression and leaves a big stamp on someone's mm -hmm. life. Even when I didn't even realize it. And so I had so many mm -hmm. students coming into my room. Absolutely. And I that reminds me of, this is maybe like a few weeks ago, there was actually an article, I think in the Buffalo News, that was about having representation of um, black teachers in urban schools. Mm -hmm. And the article was in support of that and talked about what you just said, how important that is. And I don't know why I do this, but I always read the comments on these articles. I try and, not to. <laughs> I try not to. I don't know. It's, it's this weird, like, addiction. I just keep scrolling. <laughs> but... I just couldn't believe how many people were saying that that wouldn't make a difference. People don't understand how representation does make mm -hmm. a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from experience growing up, seeing Barbies and all the, you know, like white people on TV and on covers of magazines mm -hmm. constantly, not seeing someone who looks like you. You always think that there's something wrong with you. Like for the longest I went through, um, having low self-esteem because I was dark-skinned mm -hmm. and I didn't think anybody would find me attractive or desirable or you just I'm trying to think of what I saw I there was this uh, woman on Facebook whose daughter said she wanted to be black girl magic mm -hmm. for Halloween I don't know if you saw it I oh, shared this, it just this I, past did, Halloween. I didn't see that what so she her daughter asked she asked her daughter what she wanted to be for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Her daughter asked, told her she wanted to be Black Girl Magic. Mm -hmm. So her mother is like, how do I do this? Her mother actually went to a craft store mm -hmm. and put together this costume and had Black Girl Magic. And it was like sprinkles and it lit up. And this baby is walking down the street yelling Black Girl Magic. And I'm like, this is so awesome. I didn't have that growing up. Mm -hmm. And for the younger generations to grow up and loving the skin that they're in and being proud of being black and being proud of being dark skin and knowing that they can, that doesn't hold them back from achieving what they want mm -hmm. to achieve. I think that's awesome. Like you have women like Gabby Douglas, Simone Biles, um, even Serena Williams, 
and not even just athletes. Like oh, I'm going to talk about her <laughs> <there>. <laughs> not even just athletes, but you have um all these women in I'm what is her name? Um, Auntie Maxine. Everyone mm. knows who Auntie oh. Maxine is. Now okay. we know. <laughs> everyone knows who Auntie Maxine is. Even women like that, Michelle Obama, um, her daughters, just seeing these these black women in these roles where it's more so a role of power. I'm gonna put that in quotation marks, but having these roles is just so um influential and inspiring for you know, women for younger girls. And you feel like you did not have that. And that was, I mean, you're only 32. Right. So when did this change I did not have that in the 90s. Unfortunately. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Not, I mean, we had some, like, um, there were some, of course, here and there Mm -hmm. sprinkled, and you're like, yes, there's a token. But (laughs) it, it wasn't like it is today. And I really think it really changed when our generation, us millennials who always get the like <laughs> side stink eye, when we start to become young adults and adults, which I believe it's really starting to change with us because a lot of us, we're not putting up with the, you know, we're more so progressive, I would put it like that, mm-hmm. than our older generations. See, the culture is changing. <laughs> I was I'm little right, by little. little by We're little. not there yet, yeah. but little by little, hopefully. Well, that's my uh, one of my favorite things that we've ever said on the show is that progress is not linear. <laughs> so whenever we feel like we're ahead and then we feel like we get knocked back, um, right. we're mm-hmm. still they're still making a little bit of a stride Trend. and we're going to get there. Absolutely. Um, so, what are your favorite parts of being a woman? Or should, should we start with the the positive or the negative? What are the hardest? Well, ones? what are your favorite part? I mean, what it's like? What does it mean? Like being a woman is you could be anything, mm-hmm. like anything. So you could be masculine, you can be feminine, you can be um, strong. You can also have weaknesses. And um, my favorite part, Angelica Jackson's favorite part. <laughs> not saying this is like the best part for everybody, mm-hmm. but this is mine. Like I just love. Being a mom, that's my favorite part, mm-hmm. is being a mom, I would have to say. And that's something that's exclusive to women. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. And so why? Like why is that your favorite part? Um, It's just my son has saved me. My, I would have to say my son has saved my life. This is the part where I just cry. <laughs> <laughs> my son has saved my life. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do at all and he definitely gave me the motivation that I needed and I can't even look at you because I'm about to cry. He (laughs) gave me the motivation I needed and he continues to give me life every single day. So that's my favorite part. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I love that. I love it so much. So in turn then what are the hardest some people would say being a mom I mean yeah yeah, being a mom can be hard but I think what people expect out of you as a mother is hard like people especially with being single I'm a single mother so being able to juggle between being a mom being a um, woman in a career um, being a caregiver nurse because I take care of my parents and it's just a lot of hats to wear I think yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's like a consistent answer that 
I hear on the show is that it's like everyone expects you to be everything, the ideal of everything, and that you're still to be. be a size two or four and <laughs> have your hair done and lipstick on. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's you have to do everything and you have to look good while doing it. You have to it. look amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to look like you aren't doing everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> So what are there, what assumptions do people make about you as a single mother? Because I'm sure there are many comments that surface. A lot of, for one, when I meet people, they don't really know that I'm a single mom. A lot of people assume that I'm, I'm married or mm-hmm. I have a boyfriend or whatever. I'm still with my son's um, father. But once they do learn that I am a single mom, you know, they probably assume that the worst. So that I'm on welfare. Because I'm black too. So, oh, <laughs> which we've already established. So, you know, they always assume maybe that I'm on welfare or some type of government assistance. Or they're surprised to learn that I have a master's. That's mm-hmm. always a shock. Mm-hmm. Especially when I meet other men. And I'm like, yeah, I have a master's in science education. And I teach science. And they're like, oh my God, you have a brain? Oh my so I would think that is like the biggest um, misconception of me is I'm on welfare with a deadbeat father I probably don't know who the father of my child is and I'm just living off the system (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you think well I'll ask this one do you think it's easier being a mother or being a single mother now than maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Um, yes, I do. I do think it's a little easier being a single. I mean, being a single mom isn't easy, but Mm -hmm. I think there are more single mothers Mm -hmm. now than there were, of course, like 20, 30 years ago. Um, and I also think that it's more, I don't want to say accept it, but it's, and I don't want to even say expect it, because that's not even right to say. But it's not like a shock value when it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a single mom. That's, yeah, absolutely. I, I read, I forget what book it is, but there's a book that I read with my students. And it talks about, and it's from, I think, like World War II era. And they use the word, they talk about how the one girl who was playing with the other children was born out of wedlock. And the kids never know what that, mean, that means. So they ask me that. And, like, in the book, it talks about how they, like, really shun this girl because she was a product of being born outside of a marriage. Mm. And my students, as long as I've been teaching, have never understood why. It's why. Because it, to them, it's just like, okay, why would anyone be ostracized right. like, for something like that? It happens. Right. right. Or, like, I'm sure a lot of, like, I won't say a lot, but mm. I'm sure they either, their parents are divorced or they know someone's parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. And a lot, I think that also a lot of people assume that in order to be a single mother, you have to have a child out of wedlock, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be divorced and be a single mom. I so. mean, we're now moving into an era where, well, I mean, we've been in that era for a little bit of a while, but it's more accessible where a woman can just be a single mother because she makes the decision to be a single mother, and there's that no too, man involved. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it, it is becoming more... Um, I, yeah, accepted isn't the right word. Yeah, I don't but, even, I, mainstream, like I don't right. even know what how to say it. Um, and I know like even with my students, my students will ask me questions like, oh, you know, where's your husband? Where's that? And I make sure that I'm completely honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. And my son's father is not involved. 
And that way they see me as a, it a kind of human. Kind of human. Because for some reason, mm-hmm. teachers are like gods and goddesses. And we're married. And we have two and a half children with a white picket fence. I have no idea why. I mean, my students don't understand why I'm 30 and not married. Right. They're like, well, isn't that something you do when you, like, graduate from college? I'm like, no. (laughs) No. And they're they're baffled by that. And and the fact that I don't have kids, even more baffling. Right, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) That's a tough one. Um, So... Is there anything that you think the world needs to know about women or black women specifically that, you know, something that the world is just missing? Wow, that is a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't even know really how to answer that. I think the world really needs to know that Women are allowed, and this is this. I was actually talking to someone about this today that women are allowed to be sexual beings. Okay, women like sex just as much as men, and I really hope I'm (laughs) but women like sex just as much as men, and women it's okay for women to be sexual and to stop with the slut shaming and um, just making women feel bad for having this nature. That it's okay for men to have. So men, it's okay for men to go out and sleep with as many people as they want to. But for a woman to do it, it's it's just looked down upon. And that doesn't really make sense. Because who are these men sleeping with if... Yeah, there, there has to be like two people involved. Right, exactly. In the- there has to be someone involved for them to sleep with in order for this to happen. So, um, and it's okay for women to explore their sexuality. And to experiment with their sexuality. And that sexuality is also fluid. Because for some reason, when a woman decides to be with another woman, say, then, oh, she's this. And then, and I get this a lot too with my students. Some of my students, they have gone back and forth experimenting with their sexuality, which teenagers normally do. So... When they are doing this, it's like, oh, she was just this last year, and now she's this this year. And it's like, no, she's just fluid. It's sexuality is fluid. So people need to understand that mm-hmm. it's okay for women to explore these parts of their sexuality without being shamed for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's I'm a huge advocate for people making their own choices. I think that is like a a part of being a woman that I want to be normalized mm-hmm. that everyone can make different choices and we can be okay with our different choices. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are some women that do explore their sexuality and there are some women who, who don't. don't. And it's... Or they're fine with doing whatever. They, right. They're fine with being with one person. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone might be, they would don't want to be with one person. They mm-hmm. want to be with many people. And that's awesome too. You like it, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have a question about thinking about, like, younger, like, students today and people, like, teenagers. I think they just have, like, more of the language than we ever had about, like, these different things. And um, I think that they start maybe exploring or experimenting a little bit earlier than... I don't don't know if that's true, but uh, it's... I feel like they have more of the language where... um, things like that are more acceptable 
than they were when we were younger. Right. Like I definitely see what you're saying mm-hmm. because I, I think because we are starting to become more progressive mm-hmm. that it, even though I remember being in high school, even though like you saw things and people did experiment more so, it was kind of kept on the hush-hush. Right. It was like secretive. Right. And I feel like it's Where they're now, more apt to come right. right out and tell you Open things. with right. it. And because it's becoming more acceptable. Mm-hmm. And which it should. Because it's just human nature. And that's why I think they feel more comfortable with being able to do it. And they do have more of the language to do it. Because it's being more so brought out there. It's not right. kept on hush-hush or secrets. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we're moving to a direction where people can hopefully make their own choices without being judged. Right. So uh, this might tie into what you just talked about. What issue that affects women are you most passionate about? I mean, all issues affect women in some way. So it really could be anything. Right. Um, Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of issues that (laughs) make me mad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, get it out, girl. That's what we're here for. Which one (laughs) is the one, though? I mean, we can talk about more than one. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, The issue that affects women. I don't even know where to start. Like, there's, like, the rape culture. There's the wage gap. (laughs) (laughs) The list goes on and on and on. That's, really upsetting, too. Um... I guess from like a mother's standpoint, what I hate is I do have a son and being told that I cannot raise a man because I am a woman is very upsetting because what does my lack of a penis have to do with (laughs) me raising a young, black, well-rounded man? And I do agree that you do need male role models and even for girls. Like, even if I had a daughter, I would still need a positive male role model for her to look up to. Just like with my son, I would need positive male role models for him to model and look up to. But I feel that I am capable and I am doing a damn good job in raising (laughs) a very well-rounded young man. I mean, just because... uh, child has a man in his life doesn't mean that that man is a good role model exactly and i would have to say that because if his dad was around who's to say that he would be a good role model right for him that's why we're not together so right so you're in kind of a unique position where you get to choose those influences in some ways which is kind of difficult because i have a a horrible control issue (laughs) (laughs) when it comes down to my baby so it's, I was just actually talking to some, a guy that I am interested in and. Oh, here we go. No. Dating dirt. Oh, <laughs> and, um, we were, we were talking about having kids and all that and letting go. And I did, I came up front. I was honest, like, it's going to be hard for me to actually let go of that and have someone come in and. And it's a little continual lot of trust for me to have someone come in and be essentially a father for my son because I've been in control of everything since birth. Mm-hmm. So for me to have someone else come in and like, oh no, we're going to do it like this. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not my plan. What do you mean? 
So yeah, that's that's pretty. It's an interesting position to be put in. So have you ever introduced anyone that you were dating to your son or one person? Mm-hmm. That's it, just mm-hmm. one. I'm very protective. Mm-hmm. I'm like a mama tiger. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think that's the way to be. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I know I can't fully relate. But there was a conversation that came up about on on Facebook, and um, there was a woman who is a single mom, and she was taking her daughter with her on dates. Which it wasn't like a romantic date. It was more so like, oh, we're gonna go have lunch. Okay, and like I'm getting to know. Here's you my friend, so and so, and a lot of women, and that's a that's one thing that's hard about being a woman. Women seem to be their biggest critic, or our biggest Absolutely. Critic. Like, women will criticize women at a drop of a hat, and it's like, we're supposed to be uplifting each other, okay, we already have enough <laughs> going on, let's try to help each other out. So, um, she said that she'd bring her daughter on these, like, lunch dates or whatever, or park dates, and a lot of women were like, no, I would never introduce my daughter to somebody mm-hmm. I was romantically involved with, but if... You are a single mom and you don't have the luxury or the support system where you can just have somebody with your kid or babysit your kid so you can go on a date one-on-one, then what are you supposed to do? So even though it's not something that I would necessarily do because fortunately I do have a support system um, and a strong one, but I can see where women would do that and I don't see anything wrong with Hey, this is my friend, so-and-so. We're going to have lunch with him. Mm-hmm. And you're basically, and that's even better because you're basically getting to know that person on a different level than you would, say, if it was one-on-one. Right. And it's not like in that situation you're like, okay, this is your new daddy. Right. <laughs> it's, He's well, going to be your dad. <laughs> it's like a very, I hopefully, like, casual situation, and then you get to see the interaction between the child and That's true, the man. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Right, yeah, because you don't want both sides of that. Right, sure. you don't want to date somebody for, mm-hmm. like, five, six months, and then finally, okay, here's my kid, and then they don't get along. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, well, for me, you're gone if right. my kid doesn't like you. So. Right. Yeah, that's very delicate. That's mm-hmm. hard. It is. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then add on dating past 30. <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that or should we move to the next oh. question <laughs> it's very hard dating past 30 very hard very very hard yeah there's a um like the the comedy duo they're called garfunkel and oats and they have a, a song it's called 2931 and it's about the girl who's 29 who's like there are so many options the world is wonderful and then the 31 year old literally screams into the microphone there's nobody left <laughs> But that is funny how that does, like, it, it's like within two years, right. it just changes. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, another big question. <laughs> what changes would you like to see for women moving forward? Um, I would really love to see, like, a true equality among men and women across all boards. So, we can't have it both ways. We can't wants men to be the one I'm it's just very it's hard to like really put this into words and I have it in my head but we can't want men to treat us like damsels in distress Mm -hmm. 
and at the same time want equality. Like you, we have to have it either one way or the other. You can't play both sides of the fence. So that's what I would really want to see for women. I really want to see for women to move to the point where we are paid the same as men. We don't have to prove ourselves in our career. Um, well, I mean, everyone has to prove themselves. Right, but, career, but like for not the even more. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like not, we don't have to do it even more so because mm -hmm. we are women. I don't want people to like doubt us as women if we're able to do our job. Mm -hmm. um, I was just at, where was I when this happened? Oh my God. I was at the bank. I was at the bank and there was a man and the teller was a man. So the customer was a man, the teller was a man, and the teller was not able to do whatever the customer wanted to do. The customer said to the teller, go get your supervisor. And the supervisor was oh, no. a woman. So the supervisor comes over and she's like, he can't do this. Like, we can't do it. And he says, I want to speak to a supervisor. And she said, I am the supervisor. And he turns around where there are two other male workers and says, what about them? And I almost lost my shit. I'm like, he he needed a man to solve this problem because for him. they have penises. Are they more like able to do their job than what she is? Because I'm sure they'll tell you the same thing. Like they can't do it. I was like, are you serious? So that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like we don't have to go above and beyond to prove that we are able to do a job or we belong in that position. Um, God, if yeah. only. If yeah. only like, that's, that is the goal. Or like, even like there. you being in that position and you're not sexually harassed because you are in that position and men mm -hmm. feel like, oh, whatever, she's just here because she looks good. No, mm -hmm. like I have a brain and I know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. so. <laughs> oh, God, we have, we have so far to go. <laughs> <laughs> We've come so far, but we have so far to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, yesterday that was there was a hundred years um, celebrating a hundred years of women's suffrage in New York State. So there, there's a, I don't know. I'm just trying to add something here to the conversation. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so any other changes or any other issues that we didn't touch on of your list? Um, we could be here for weeks. <laughs> We still have some time, so if there's another one you want to dive into, we can we can do that. Um. Okay. Well, maybe this is a hot button topic, but um, changes as a black woman, I would like to see more white women show up for whenever we are expressing our um. I don't even want to say issues, but they are issues when. Our what what's our struggles? What's going on with us? Because it is different. It's different. Even though yeah, we're all women, yay. But mm -hmm. what white women go through and what black women go through are different. And um, which is why Trump is in office. So <laughs> that's and I, I people can make their own choices, but I still don't understand how such a huge faction of white women did vote for Trump. I'm still kind of well grappling with that. If I were to just hit the hot button. Okay, yeah. let's, let's hear it. <laughs> um, I believe white women identify more with being white than women. Because that's, that's, 
being white is a privilege mm -hmm. or white people have privilege. Let's say that not being white is a privilege. I misworded that being white or what am I trying to say? I just lost my train of thought. I think you said it already. Okay. That being white comes with privilege. Right. So white people have privilege mm -hmm. and, but women do not have privilege. Women are a minority. Mm -hmm. So when you're a white woman, you're being a black woman. I'm a double minority. I'm black and I'm a woman. So there's hardly any privilege in that. And when you're white, you, when you're a white woman, white women can always fall back mm -hmm. onto being white. And I feel as though that's why more than half of white women did vote for Trump because even though he's saying all these things where he's taking away your rights as a woman, well, who cares because I'm white, so it's okay. Yeah, it's I don't know. Hillary being in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. We wouldn't, like, we wouldn't even be having... A, so that's the other thing that I'm kind of, like, in between on is because, like, a lot of these conversations wouldn't be happening in the mainstream if Donald Trump wasn't elected president. Like, I feel like if Hillary were elected in some ways it would have been status quo and it wouldn't have been like as volatile as it is now so I don't I don't want to say I, I kind of grapple There's with like this a silver lining with Trump being elected because it does really bring out what black people already knew that a lot of the United States if not most of it or all of it is racist I'm sorry to say that but don't don't be sorry <laughs> about that. Black people already knew all of this, and this is just new to white people. Okay, like so um, in this new era, this is basically education for white people. It really, it really is because this is like problems that a lot of of black people or black people have been talking about with racial issues, microaggressions. It's not always the outright racists with the Confederate flag and his boots and his pickup truck. It's not always that. It's sometimes it's the progressive quote unquote liberal who is blind to racism and like, oh, there's no racism, but let me touch your hair or, oh, do you tan? Like those types of microaggressions are the ones that really um, have an impact because you don't even realize what you're doing or saying is racist. And I think a lot of that comes from people kind of like living in their bubbles. That's like it, yeah. I growing up, I never, I mean, I'm white. I never thought about race until I was in situations and I put myself in situations where I, where I was around people who were different from me and where I was learning from people who were different from me. And that was like my education. But like, as I'm sure you can attest to, but isn't that you, crazy that, that I, it was you, after college, but isn't right. that crazy that you have to literally say I had to put myself in situations like that? It absolutely is crazy because I don't have to put myself in situations to be mm -hmm. around white people. Mm -hmm. It's just wherever I go, I'm always around white people. Right. Yeah. So I didn't, I actually had to go down to Maryland and go to an HBCU and finally be around nothing but black people or nothing but minorities. And it's crazy for you to have to say that I had to go out of my way. Right. And not, not that you like, like, you know, not in like a malice type of way that you had to go out of your way, but like you had to go out of your way in order to have these conversations with minorities mm -hmm. and be around minorities and educate yourself where that's right. Just You've another... had this education your whole life. I've had these experiences <laughs> my entire life. And this is just, this just shows you that's another thing of privilege. Mm -hmm. You can just go out there and expect to see someone who looks like you all the time 
And that's not how it works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that we are having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> These are things that need to be put Hopefully out there. Hopefully your viewers aren't offended. Maybe a little uncomfortable because... Well, they in order should to be have, uncomfortable. If, in order to have change, you need to be uncomfortable. Right. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Are there any other issues or is there anything we can... <laughs> so, I guess, what is then a solution so we can, you know, have people that are around more diversity and with people that are different from themselves? And basically, how can we avoid having people like me who are, are having to put themselves in situations when they are of an age where they're more aware? I don't have a solution. For that because it's not my responsibility oh it's no absolutely to have that solution being the minority it is mm-hmm. not the um oppressed job to make mm-hmm. change that is the job of the oppressor mm-hmm. so the majority needs to come up with a solution and take accountability mm-hmm. for what's going on like be accountable like everyone wants to say oh well slavery was this it was over and you all should be happy because you're not slaves anymore or this isn't going on anymore. Um, schools are integrated now. so <laughs> And honestly, they're not, just so you know. They're really not. And but in New York State, I think it, it in the nation, currently New York State has one of the most segregated school right. districts. Yeah. Just, yeah. It, or school systems, mm-hmm. I guess is what right. I'm trying to say, yeah. in the country. It might not be in black and white, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's up to the majority to figure out what needs to be done, take responsibility, be held accountable, hold each other accountable. When your friend, cousin, mother, father is saying something that is distasteful mm-hmm. or thinking a way that is distasteful for you to say, hey, that's not right or that's not how it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why... Trump is in office right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I we've been we've been doing this for a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm Actually. not letting it go. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm so pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're three three more years. I don't know. They're talking about impeaching him. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if Mike Pence is any better. At least he's not a moron. And he's not Twitter. You know, you're not the first person to call him that. One of people (laughs) that works very closely with him called him that. (laughs) Um, So, we'll head in a little bit of a different direction. I want to hear about some of the women that you admire most. Or a subversive woman that you have as an example. Um, One woman that I love, 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 love is Angela Ray. Um, out of, uh, you all should already know who she is, but she is a CNN political commentator, and she is just absolutely brilliant. I love how she does not care at all what... <laughs> what She will just tell you exactly how it is, and I really feel like she is our generation's voice like when she's talking when she's on cnn and she's having these conversations with people 
I'm like, yes, yes, tell him, tell him. Yes, girl, tell her or tell him. She does not back down. And I love that about her. I love how fiery she is. I love how she's just, she's using her voice. She's using her platform um, to really bring awareness and get it out there. I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, another woman I love is Auntie Maxine. <laughs> That is my homie. I love her so much. I just, I love women who just do not give a damn. They just don't don't care. They're just like, I'm going to say what I want to say. And you're going to like it. Regardless. I just, I, that's just so admirable to me. I love it. So. Yeah, they are, are women who are using their voices to their full advantage. And hopefully to everyone else's full advantage, <laughs> too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move into stories of subversion. Um, and I have... Usually I choose one woman to talk about, but I have a whole list today. Because I've been kind of compiling like a short list of women who were the first to do something. But then I realized that like very recently... like yesterday there were some that I could add to the list so I'm just gonna run through the list um and I mean can I just point out one because I think it kind of like goes into what we were saying earlier about um like sexuality and Mm -hmm. independence Cardi B Mm -hmm. being the first um solo female rapper to top the singles charts um since Lauren Hill let's just I love 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 Cardi B (laughs) (laughs) And it's not necessarily because of her songs or anything. I love that Cardi B is real. Mm-hmm. Cardi B is not fake at all. She is herself. And even with all this fame and recognition, she is still herself. She is not afraid to be herself at all. I just love it. She is the voice for that woman that... I don't want to say she's the voice for that woman, but a lot of women who have been shamed for being either in the sex worker industry Mm -hmm. or um, just being sexual beings and sexually independent. She's that voice like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And who cares what anybody thinks Mm -hmm. of you? And she's also that woman that doesn't give a damn. Like, (laughs) I just, I just love her. sensing a theme. Right, right. (laughs) I just love her personality and I'm just so happy that she's become successful and that there's a rep- a representation of all different types of women because people want to look at like Steph Curry's wife and there's nothing wrong with her. It's great. She's married with two kids. They went, they met at um, Bible Christian camp, which is awesome. But then we have this other side of women too that didn't go down that path who might have danced or might have um been in any other sex work um any other type of sex work um that is still succeeding we should see all of that Mm -hmm. everybody needs to see all of that and that's again i keep bringing this up but it goes back to respecting women's choices no matter what they choose we should have we should have role models from all ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. that we can look up to that are just being or just be genuine like relatable right right yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. all right well my next question was do you have any comments about (laughs) it so you do um 
So, aside from Cardi B, um, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I think it's Shailene Flanagan. She was the first American woman to win the New York City Marathon in 40 years since 1977. So, America is has won this year. Um, and she beat a woman from Kenya named Mary Kitani, um, and she's won for the past three years. I mean, it is specifically the women's race, so obviously a woman wins every time. Right. But um, it's pretty notable that oh, an American woman has Finally, won for right. the first time in 40 years. Right. And so I was so I was reading an article about Shailene Flanagan, and I came across um, this quote about Serena Williams, which I just really loved. Um, and so Serena Williams, earlier this year, she won the Australian Open while she was eight months pregnant. And so this is the quote from Liz Lenz um, of ESPN. It says, Williams is one of the greatest athletes of all time, and I often find myself watching Instagram videos of a pregnant Williams playing tennis. She makes pregnancy and womanhood look like the source of her strength rather than an encumbrance. Her physicality doesn't transcend the experience of her body. It claims ownership to it, every part of it, and makes her body the center, or makes her body her center. And I just thought that was such an amazing quote. Like, she's eight months pregnant pregnant and uh, I mean obviously like physically before that she was one of the strongest women in the world Mm -hmm. um but just like having that visual of someone who is pregnant also doing something amazing with their body on top of that right it's just a really really amazing image (laughs) yeah because at eight months pregnant I couldn't even walk to my car (laughs) so let alone yeah. Play in the Australian mm-hmm. Open, so that's and, amazing. And win. <laughs> and win. <laughs> and win. <laughs> so yeah, she's just an amazing. unbelievable athlete. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, you know, I'm not a huge, like, sports person, I guess I would say. But, um, I mean, I would say she's one of the best athletes in any sport in the whole world. She is, <laughs> pro- she is probably one of the best tennis mm-hmm. player of mm-hmm. all time. Yeah, she's unreal, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go look up some of these And that's includes men now. and women. Mm-hmm. She's the best. Mm-hmm. See, hopefully someday we don't have to say that. We can just right. say... Right, like, why can't we just... I mean, I had a... Con- not to, like, go off track. Oh, no, go ahead. Go but ahead. I did have a conversation with someone about um, separating men and women. Like, mm-hmm. why do we separate men and women? And they're like, well, men are stronger. Why, though? Like, mm-hmm. who... Why, when did that start? Why? Because I know mm-hmm. some pretty strong women. Mm-hmm. And I know some pretty weak men. So why, why, what, what about a man makes him stronger than a woman? And I feel as though if, and I said this, like, if everyone trained the same mm-hmm. way, if there wasn't all of a sudden, like, okay, these are the girl push-ups, these are the boy push-ups, girls, you guys are going to start lifting these 10-bound these 10 pound dumbbells, why the guys are going to lift 20. If mm-hmm. everyone started off the same, then you'd be able to achieve those same mm-hmm. goals. And maybe eventually we could have everyone in the mm-hmm. same sports. We wouldn't have to separate them out. Mm-hmm. So I think that that might change. Cause if you want to think back to our high school track career, we didn't really learn how to like exercise. Like we kind of just ran. I didn't start lifting weights for track until I went to college. Right. Mm-hmm. So I never, like, learned how to exercise, and now I've ended up having an injury, like, in my adult life from running because I never learned. And so now, like, we have, um, like, a fitness class, and girls are actually taught how to exercise and how to get stronger and talk about, like, diet and things that, like, you know, I was like, I'm track, you just run. That's it. Right. right. Um, and so I think maybe with, like, a, a little bit of a change in education and, like, valuing teaching girls how to do these things, we might see... I mean, you know, down the road, we might right. see a change mm-hmm. in that. 
Um, okay, back to the list. So, um, election day has just passed, and Seattle elected their first woman mayor since 1926. Um, and her name is Jenny Durkin, and she's actually their first lesbian mayor. Um, and another um, LGBTQ um, situation that is really helpful for those people. Danica Rome is a nice woman name wrong here. Is America's first transgender legislator um, who won in Virginia, and she actually beat the legislator who created the bathroom bill that was meant to prevent her from using the restroom of her choice. Right. So it was good meant, victory. It was meant to prevent any um, uh, yeah, transgender any. person to use the um, restroom of their choice. They actually would have to use the restroom of their born sex mm-hmm. instead of what they identified with. Mm-hmm. So, which is I, awesome because that's like a big slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like an upset that's there. That's like karma mm-hmm. and irony at its greatest. <laughs> so we've had a lot of victories like that across the country, I think, um, after election day. So minus here. Mm-hmm. Minus here we still have the Right. Things were KKK rallying sheriff. <sighs> Things were close. That won't that race was really close. Mm-hmm. It says a lot about Erie County. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's kind of scary too at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think, I mean, I don't think in past years that the, any of those races have been that close, so I think no, I don't think so. moving, again, slowly limping in a good direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, for my, my literary side here, I included Emily Wilson. She's a classicist at UPenn, and she is the first woman who is who translated the Odyssey into English, so Homer's the Odyssey. She's the first woman to do that. Um, so that is pretty cool. And something that just, this happened like a little while ago, um, but women in Saudi Arabia are now able to drive. Um, I've read a little bit about it and it does come with, you know, some issues that like women aren't really allowed, they're allowed to drive now, but they're really not allowed to do that many things on their own anyways. So it's like, there is a freedom. but the man man has to be in the car with them. I don't know that that's like specifically the rule, but I feel like things along those lines are, are put into place where, you know, maybe the rule of the family is like, okay, you can drive now, but, but you can't do it unless there is a man in the car with you. So, hmm. I mean, it's a small, well, I mean, it's a, I guess it's a huge step, um, but it's, you know, comes with some, some fine print, I guess. Um, but those are some firsts that have happened pretty recently. So I just wanted to get that list out there. Um, so Angelica, do you have anything else that you want to add? No, no, I think I've probably upset your listeners enough today. <laughs> well, if they're upset, it might be because they need to be. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is fun. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you want to get in touch with Womankind, remember we're on Facebook at Womankind Podcast, on Instagram at Womankind Podcast. Um, and at www.womankindpodcast.com, and you can email us at womankindpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.